We're so thankful for the opportunity to be in God's house. I remember when I was growing up, um, in my teen years, I remember that we used to hear a lot about the USSR and the, and the um, Christians in the USSR. Now, we no longer have the USSR. In those days, they were persecuted. We read a lot about them. We would pray for them. They would meet in different, you know, difficult places and underground church. We knew a lot about the underground church because I've been saved for since I was nine. So, and it was not this kind of salvation that you are saved and we don't know if you are saved. Those who, who our mothers and fathers in the Lord were not joking or were not playing. They dragged us to church and made sure that we understood what was going on in the rest of the world. And we would pray for them. And as we prayed for them, we started to hear miracles and news would get out as to what God is doing. And it's gotten to a point now where there is supposedly free worship in Russia, but we know it's not so yet, or China. So we still have people all in the Middle East. My mom walked in the Middle East for 20 years. And they, in this particular country in the Middle East, it was illegal. It was absolutely illegal to pray to Jesus, to be a Christian. She would smuggle Gideon Bibles. We would wrap it up. I was like in my early 20s, late teens, we would wrap them up into in little newspapers and put them in her luggage and she would distribute them in this country. She worked there as a physician for for 20 years. Until today in that particular country, it is illegal to worship as a Christian. So you have this underground home churches. But they grew. They grew in faith. Things that when they were in, um, in in a place where it was easy, like in our country, you could worship whichever God you wanted to worship. Um, But she grew in faith because there was so much pressure on her faith. Now I see in the United States, I see in the Western world, churches that are empty. It should not be so. And we should feel uncomfortable when our churches are empty. That comes as this lackadaisical spirit. It's, well, I'll go to church today. Tomorrow I don't feel like it. No. You need to see where people are hungry wanting for the opportunity to worship God. We need to pray for a revival in our land, that people will be as passionate for God as they used to be. It was the United States that used to send all this literature to Nigeria when I was younger. When we would pray, we would pray for the the Christians in, in the underground church in China. And I'm not that old, it was not too long ago that we were doing these prayers, and there was such passion. Now, the churches in the United States need to fill up. If you believe, say amen. Amen. I understand that we carry Jesus with us everywhere we go, but there is still something about gathering in the house of God once a week or twice a week to get your faith revved up and to drag non-Christians with you. This is not a thing of the past. This is not an old-time gospel. It is the gospel. The Bible says we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God 
unto salvation. There's nothing else that can save. The Bible says when somebody was asking Jesus, show us the way. Philip asked Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So there's still no two ways to get to God. You can walk your way to God. Humanism is taking over the United States where I'm going to do my best. Humanism is a religion in itself. Jesus is still the answer. He's still the way. He's still the only way. And as long as you have people beside you, neighbors, friends, who are unsaved, who have not accepted Jesus, let's speak about this very clearly. They are not on their way to heaven. Amen? This is the truth. Unless you do not believe the Bible, the only way to God is through his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says there is no other way given by which man can be saved. Amen? Amen? So, I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, you cannot allow your church to be empty. It doesn't come by power or might, but it comes by prayer. Because souls are perishing and in their millions are going to hell every day. In their millions are going to hell every day. And one day we're going to stand before the throne and the books will be opened. And then we're going to have the opportunity to say to our Lord and Savior, I tried. I gave her the gospel. She said no. I tried. I gave her the gospel. She said yes. You have to ask yourself when last, when last, when last did you give the gospel? It is the power of God unto salvation. When last did you offer the gospel? Amen. Let's ask ourselves that. Angels will not preach the gospel. They have not been assigned by God to preach the gospel. Only humans can preach the gospel. Angels can help us though. They can help us arrange situations and circumstances. But when we find ourselves in those situations and circumstances, it's still up to us to open our mouth and give it out. Ask them, how are you doing? How are your children? Are they doing well? You know, I could pray for them. By the time you pray for them once a little bit, and you go home and literally pray for them, don't just say it, pray for them, and slowly but surely show them that there is light in God, there's light in Christ, there is light in the way. You don't just come to church to mark a register. There is a reason. There are many other things you can be doing right now. Amen. I encourage us. This is why we are still here. This is why we did not get saved and the rapture. Anybody knows what is the rapture? Anybody knows what the rapture is? Yes, Sister Janet. And we all rise up and meet him. When last did you think about the rapture? 
Do you know there is a rapture? Do you know there could be a rapture as we're sitting here right now? There is a rapture. So I think we need to dust our Bibles, you know, kind of dust it and read the basics of Christianity. There is a rapture. There is a time Jesus is coming. The trumpet will sound. He's coming with angels, legions of them. The Bible says he will come on a horse. The Bible says the church, those who are saved in him, the dead will rise up first. Then we who are still remaining will rise. Do you remember the rapture? There was a time when I was in my teen years. Every time we signed a note, we'll say remain rapturable. That's how we signed it off. Remain rapturable. Are you rapturable? So this is not supposed to be an evangelistic message. We're supposed to be teaching on the wisdom of God. <laughs> but I guess the Holy Spirit wanted us to hear that. Do you know that before we stand here and preach, we pray. We pray very deeply, heavily. We pray that the Lord will put a word in our mouth so that we don't speak our own minds. That's how we do it. Then we have prayer warriors who have prayed. We're praying for the church. We're praying for every sheep of God in his sheepfold. We're praying for a revelation and an illumination. We're praying that we're not just given information. We're praying that people's eyes are open to the truths in the word of God. This is the gospel. The good news. It is not old-fashioned. This is what the Holy Spirit is still doing in the churches. And if you leave this place, you go to South America. It used to be that if you go to Nigeria or go to Ghana, I think they have become very Americanized as I'm hearing now. But if you go to South America, you go to Brazil, you go to a few places, you will see how people are still hungry. Our churches in India, the ministers there, they are putting their lives at risk. They are targets because they serve God. But here we come into air-conditioned churches, churches with heat and light and, and music and, and, and just pyrotechnics for some churches that have it. And yet you still can't get the people to come worship their father on a Sunday. Why? Because we're comfortable. But there's a rapture coming. And we don't want to go alone. We want to make sure that every member of our family is on that flight. Amen. Your brothers, your sisters, your uncles, your aunties, your sons, your daughters. You want to make sure that they're going when Jesus comes. He is coming. <laughs> he really is coming. Oh, Lord, open our eyes that we may see the things that are important. The partying, not important. The eating and the drinking, not important. The ceremonies, not important. The nine to five, not that important. What is important is that when eternity is spelled out, you know where you fall, which side you fall. Amen. Let's get going. Let's get doing. Let's not. The Bible says those who are weak should dust themselves up. Get up. Do something for your father. Amen. 
Hallelujah. All right. We're going to get into our message for today. I'm going to teach. I'm going to continue to teach on the wisdom of God. I want us to bow our heads in prayer for a minute. Heavenly Father, we are so, so grateful for the opportunity to be in your presence. What a sweetness in your presence. How wonderful it is to be in God's presence. In the house of God. We are the temples of a living God, but yet this place has been demarcated and separated unto you as your temple and your embassy in this land. We are glad as your ambassadors to come and sit around your feet. Speak to us, Lord. Energize us. Enervate us. Fill us with joy, with power, with excitement. And fill us with revelation, knowledge, and change our lives forever. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that my tongue will be like the pen of a ready writer. That, Father, my heart will overflow with a word from above. And that the hearts of your children will be fertile ground for the seed of the word. And will never be the same again. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So, we've been talking about engaging the wisdom of God in the marketplace. And this morning, I'm going to continue in that same vein. I'm hoping I can actually wrap it up. This will be the third part of that particular um, teaching, engaging the wisdom of God in the marketplace. Pastor has been teaching us about how to grow in wisdom, and I kind of took a little bit of it and said, let's apply it to where we work. So our, our, our workplace, some of us are business owners and some of us are salaried Whatever the case may be, we wanted to kind of turn that message and turn the light on the marketplace. So I hope you have been getting something from this. Amen. We did say that for you to get the wisdom of God, what was the important thing in your atmosphere or your environment? What is very critical? Peace. Peace. Amen. And that whatever you can do to make sure there is peace, that you do it. Amen. In your home, at work, don't instigate or stir up strife in any way. Don't stir up strife at work. If you see anybody who's strifeful, a word like that, strifeful, <laughs> you know, just move away from them. Because there's no wisdom when there is strife. Amen. So we said that. Then we said, be a lover of who? Be a lover of God. Remember we said we were going to do a little quiz. So I came prepared with my quiz. Name two people. Name two people who exhibited the wisdom of God in the workplace. We've talked about them both. Daniel. Solomon. It was, do you know Solomon reigned as king? That was his workplace. He was in government. He was like being the president. So that's his workplace. And Daniel was like a premier or prime minister 
It was his workplace. I'm going to throw one more person into it today, Joseph. Mm -hmm. Joseph? Okay, so you passed that quiz. Some people didn't know what to say, but I, I won't focus on them. I'll just leave them for today. Next time I come, I'm coming to hit you with a quiz. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but Daniel had three friends. I don't know if you remember their names. Amen. And they also engaged the wisdom of God. We spoke about the fact that in that particular kingdom, the king of that kingdom wanted specific qualities. Can you throw out any leadership qualities he wanted? No, no, I mean when he was recruiting, when he was recruiting the boys. Uh, huh? He wanted them to be princes. He wanted them to be skillful. Healthy and handsome. I knew you would remember that. Healthy and handsome. <laughs> what else? Educated. Young. Proficient in science. Yeah, no, so I, under, I get that, but this was, they were recruiting them for that position in government. So maybe the way I would, I would adjust what you said is, they must be able to stand well when they're in government. Because good aspects, which is all these things that we have been listing. And he got them. He, he, he got a group of young men, and when he got those young men. He gave them food, wine, things, and he, they were supposed to be trained for three years. But Daniel, Meshach, Abednego, and Shadrach, they refused to do what? Eat, 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 eat. Eat and drink. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly why, but you could tell that it was something that went against the way they were raised as Hebrew boys, and they wouldn't do it because it offended God, and so it offended them. So we said two things that are very necessary to engage the wisdom of God is be a lover of peace and a lover of God. And we realized that because Daniel and those boys refused to be part of that worldly system, Babylonian system, God blessed them ten times. He gave them ten times the wisdom of even the people closest to them. Amen. We did say something about the youth. What did we say about young people, whether they're able to get the wisdom or not? Young people are able to. Is there an age too young? So what we were saying there is don't shield your children away from avenues where they can get in contact with the word of God, which is the basis and foundation of the wisdom of God. Now, today, I want us to continue on how to actually obtain God's wisdom for our walk in the marketplace. How do we obtain it? And um, just quick faith principles. If you ask, you will ask and receive. Amen. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. All the things we're describing, you, you can ask God. You can ask him. Favor you can ask him for. Wisdom you can ask him for. But you have to know that when you ask him, he will give it to you. Amen. Verse 8 says, for everyone who asks, receives. Then there's another principle of faith. So the first principle of faith is ask and, and you will receive. So believe that you will receive. The second one is watch your words. Watch what you say with your mouth. Amen. Don't be saying 
negative things about yourself. Amen. So Mark eleven twenty two. everybody should know this. For Jesus, Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 23, Mark eleven twenty three. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Verse 24 says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you'll have them. So it is while you are praying that you believe. Lord, I ask you for wisdom. I, I believe now that I'm receiving it. So you don't get up from where you pray and then say, oh, Lord, I have no clue what I'm going to do today. Because you're negating it. Verse 23 says, but believe that those things he says will be done. He will have what he says. So 23 is actually what we call the confession verse, where what you say must match what you've prayed for. You don't pray for one thing, believe you receive one thing, and then when you're in the midst of friends or whatever is going on, you, you kind of change. No, whatever you ask for is what you say. If everybody in the company or in that group, that team, they're saying things like, Whoo, we don't know what we're going to do, this is such a mess. You don't join them. You just say, I, I believe we'll, we'll know what to do. Let's just all get together. I'm not saying sound like Holy Mary or Brother John, <laughs> but to just refuse. Because Re the environment is, I mean, I can't believe some stupid things I've done just because of the people around me. Have you ever seen this? Have you seen this? What does this mean when people do this? Keeping your fingers crossed, remember? Hoping for good luck. I will not believe, as old as I am. I got into a place, people said it, or this. Where's the wood around here? Mm. What does knock on wood mean? By the way, I didn't know that until I got to the United States. Was good luck. Yeah, that's what it means. They will be telling you, oh, this thing is going well. It's going well for now. Then they do that. I say, what are they doing? <laughs> Knock on wood. So after a while, I found out what that meant. And to be able to, to speak like they speak and, you know, fit in and help them understand. I almost found myself. I said, what is wrong with you? You're going to knock on what? <laughs> so I pulled my hand, actually pulled my hand, put it behind me. You will not knock on any wood. Because it is superstition. We Christians, we do not practice superstition. So I'm giving you practical, practical things now. We do not practice superstition. We pray to our Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus, our Lord. And he says, whatsoever we ask for, he will do. Didn't he promise? John chapter 14. Anything you ask for in my name, I will give it to you. So I don't need to, or keeping my fingers crossed, I am not superstitious. When people are superstitious, you open the way for demonic activity. You want me to get real now? Okay. I know I'm not looking really. I am looking good. Okay. So, but the way it works is, Superstition is you're hoping things work together. You're hoping 
You know how they say don't jinx it? What does don't jinx it mean? So I'm telling you all the things you say or hear every day. Some of us say, but I won't look at you. But I'm just saying, the things you hear, let's just say we never say it. The things we hear at work, don't jinx it. What does that mean? Huh? Don't bring bad luck. Don't. So they say, don't say it. Don't say it when you say, you know, have you heard it? When you say, oh, I, I, I trust this is going to go well. They say, no, 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 no. Ah, don't say it. Don't jinx it. I'm saying, what are you jinxing? Um, that's you, so you open up that door for demonic activity, enemies to come in. And you're hoping that the devil doesn't strike. That's what it means. Don't jinx it. You're hoping that something wrong, something bad, something evil doesn't happen. So you are not saying, you are keeping your mouth shut, hoping that if you close your eyes, the enemy will not see you and he will walk away and he won't touch that thing. He's too evil for that. Mm. He's a bad devil. He doesn't work with whether you jinx or you don't jinx. If you leave room for him, he will come in and mess it. He can't pass on the opportunity to mess it up. That's how the devil works. So, your mouth must go with the word. Whatever you opened your mouth to speak in God's presence that morning, and you asked him for, when you get up, and things start to move. Things are fluid and things are moving very fast around you. Keep your mouth. In Psalms, the Bible says, Lord, put a gag over my mouth. Keep it. Shut it. No matter the pressure. No, no. I believe because I prayed. I believe that it's going to turn out right. You are the light. You are supposed to be a phenomenon. You're supposed to be a sign. You're supposed to be different. You don't join the flow. You flow upstream, not downstream. Amen. So when you ask for wisdom, believe you have it. You don't change your confession regardless, regardless of what the people around you are saying. You have asked for it. He has given it. Now you now have to say, I believe I have the wisdom of God. I believe this is going to turn out right. Even though it's looking murky and you have no clue in your real, in your mind, you're not sure what's going to happen, just keep saying it. All of a sudden, what you watch, light just comes. You just know what to do. Amen. So those are the principles of faith. You ask for wisdom, you ask. Now, the, uh, the last one I want to say in the principles of faith is you ask based on God's word. So, you know, I don't have this verse, I think it's in 1 John 5 or 4, I can't remember. It says, and, and we know that if we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And if he hears us, we know we have received the petitions we've asked of him. So according to his will, that's based on God's word. Now, so I want to give you some things that really bless me now that I gave you the foundation. What are the maybe scriptures or things you can ask for in the area of wisdom? Daniel 1 Verse 17, you can ask God for the capacity to learn new information very quickly. I remember one of our sisters here, and I would not look at her when she started a new job, and they were throwing all these medical jargons at her. You, you have to know it, or you lose the job. You can ask him boldly. 
Lord, you gave these four children, Daniel 1.17, you gave them knowledge and skill. The Hebrew word for knowledge there, it refers to the ability to gain knowledge by study. That is when I look at it once, I have the ability to understand and recollect it and know how to use it. God gave it to Daniel and those four boys. When you see precedence in scripture, you can ask based on that. Amen? So you can ask God for the ability to learn new things very quickly. And I gave you the example last week. How I was not good in numbers, but I had to learn this thing. And the Lord helped me. And usually for you to get promoted or go to new levels, you are going to have to learn new things. How many people have experienced God's help like that? Amen. Where you get to something, you've never done it before, you've never seen it before, and suddenly you are supposed to know it. And they tell you, oh, now you're age 55, you can't learn new things. No, 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 no. We're not going by um, age. We're going by the anointing. We're going by, don't ever leave your anointing package at home. You know how we want to be, you know, really sleek and sophisticated? You have your hair in the right place. Your makeup is right. Shoes are right. Purse is good. You walk into, you just want to be, um, you know, like, you really, you're happening and, you know, at work. Don't leave your anointing package at home. That's all you have that the other people don't have. Those who do not accept Jesus do not have the spirit of God. That is your ace. That is all you've got they don't have. And it is not just, it is a huge advantage. Amen. Amen. So ask him for the ability to learn quickly. The other thing you can ask for, so in that scripture in Daniel 1.17, the Bible says God gave them knowledge and skill. Skill in the Hebrew is sakal. It means to be prudent. And if you go to the dictionary, prudent means being careful of consequences of enterprises. That is, you are cautious not to act when the end is doubtful. So for example... You need that ability to know when this project you want to put together will, will not cost the company too much money and yet will give the company what they're looking for. Most leaders are looking for prudent people. People who can do a lot with very little resources. Who will not put all the resources of the company, financial, people, everything in it, and then it it just collapses and doesn't turn out well. You do many things that don't turn out well, guess what? You're either out of a job or they demote you. So you can ask God for skill. You can ask him for sakal, that is prudence, ability to be able to judge and measure actions and determine how it will turn out. Everyone is looking for people like that. God gave it to them. Then God gave them interpretation, actually Daniel, he gave him the interpretation of dreams. I, interpretation of dreams, and, and if you read Daniel, there were many things that the king could not explain. But I want to say this in the workplace. If you are able to interpret your boss's dreams, and I'm not talking of the one he slept at night after eating, um, what do they eat? It's not pounded, yeah. Um, pork roast! 
and mashed potato and gravy. You know, after sometimes you are very full and you're happy and you go to bed, you start seeing dreams. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking of the dreams where, where the boss or the company, they have their um, things that they want to achieve for this year and, you know, and they have it. They just don't know how to get there. So people who are able to interpret the dreams or the vision of leadership are always promoted. In fact, even if nobody knew you, they will send for you. Amen? So in the case of Daniel, the king in, in Daniel 4 had, in verse 9 and 10, he had all these visions, and his chief magicians and his wise men could not interpret it. Verse 10, he says, I had these visions of my head while on my bed. And he was very troubled because he couldn't get it explained. He didn't know what it meant. He didn't know what, it was, what was going to happen. But Daniel was able, in Daniel 5 verse 12, they sent for Daniel and he was able to interpret it. If you are able to interpret, if you are able to interpret what the whole vision of a company or a workplace can do, they will send for you. And when they send for you, they're sending for you for promotion. Because nobody else can. So you can ask God for that gift or that skill of interpreting dreams. Again, it's not the kind of I dreamt in the night. I mean their desires. Helping them break it into things, actionable pieces and little things, tasks that can get done and bring them. There is no way you will not be noticed. You can ask him for it. He gave it to Daniel. The part that really, really I, I love, Daniel 5 verse 12. Let's read that in the HCSB. Daniel, the one the king named Belteshazzar was found to have an extraordinary spirit, knowledge, and perception, and the ability to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems. So one thing you can ask God for is an excellent, the King James calls it an excellent spirit. HCSB calls it extraordinary spirit. So see the things I've been telling you can ask God for. You can ask God for the ability to learn new information very quickly. You can ask God for the ability to be prudent, to be able to judge how things fit and where the outcome is. You can ask God for ability to interpret the dreams and the, and the visions and the goals of your bosses. And, and many times when I go there, when I'm meeting with leaders, I tell them, I say, tell me your vision. That's what I tell them. I go there, I say, tell me your vision. I, I tend to work with executives, so I say, tell, tell me your vision. What do you want to get done? And they tell it to me, and I, tell, I, and I say to them, I, 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 the first thing I say to them, it can be done. That's the first thing I tell them. Even though as I'm sitting down there, I'm wondering, oh, okay. <laughs> but the first thing I tell them, we can get this done. Give me a few weeks, let me look into this. I'll come back. Now, what I'm saying to them is, let me go pray about this. It has never failed me. And I, I, don't, I don't like people just being in a place for being there. Why are you there? 
You are to solve problems. You are not to be a problem. You are to solve problems. So we're talking about engaging the wisdom of God in the workplace. If somebody has, say, a transport company, they have all these cars, they even have drivers, and you got hired. But they don't know what to do, how to, you know, how sometimes you can't make the roster, you can't make it work. This person is off today, that person is on today. You have all these clients or customers waiting, but you, you know, you can't just juggle it. Now, if you hired me there, I will seek, and I always seek an interview. Before you know what, you will know my name because I would have asked for a meeting. I get there and I said, so how can I really help you? And they are looking at you like, oh, 10 people have already come before you. None of them could do it. What new can you bring? I said, tell me what it is. And then I tell them, we can get this done. There's a place I started working in. Somebody said to me, oh, you're still smiling. I said, I will always be smiling. <laughs> it's like the problems have not overwhelmed you. You know you have a lot to do. I said, yeah, it's easily done. It's easily done. That's a huge, whole, big company, and they're expecting me. I said, it's easily done. Because I'm not expecting myself to do it. I do not pack my anointing at home. When I leave home, the anointing goes before me, it's behind me, it has surrounded me. We're walking together. I'll be saying, Holy Spirit, we're walking, we're walking, we're walking. I don't get into your, I, I get in there praying tongues all over my office. As you are coming into my office, you sit down there. It, that seat you are sitting has been prayed over. The things you said will, will help me in this conversation. You will not come and detract from this team meeting. So if I ask you, what do you need done? It looks to you, to you it's a mountain. To God, is easily done. So I am the emissary of God. I've come to tell you, oh, that can be done. Now, I am not thinking of what I know. But I have already asked him for the ability to learn very quickly. So you can throw those things at me, and I'll put it down. Something that would have taken me six weeks to study, I'll look at it in one hour, I will understand what it is, and very easily, the light of what comes, and I can pinpoint, that's what we need to do. You do not, as a child of God, pack your anointing in church. After Sunday, at the packing lot. Somebody packs in a way you don't like. Even before you enter your car, you've lost half of the anointing. You just crush them in your heart. Foolish sister. Does she not know she's not supposed to pack like that? You've lost three quarters of the anointing even before you entered your car. The one quarter that is remaining for the week. You left it in your bedroom. You and your husband, you, you had a terrible argument. So now that you are going to work, you have one-tenth. You are just going. They ask you, uh, this is the problem. They say, ah, oh, it's a big problem. <laughs> you, have, you have no wisdom. <laughs> you have no juice left. Everything is dry. <laughs> you are not an unbeliever. Say, I am not an unbeliever. I am the child of the Most High. I have an anointing package. I solve problems. 
Amen? Amen. So we were talking of what can you ask for. So you can ask for an excellent or extraordinary spirit. It helps you to solve problems. So ability to explain. So what are riddles? What are riddles? Anybody help me? What's a riddle? Yeah, it needs to be solved, certainly. But can anybody try and hazard a guess, define a riddle? It's a riddle. It's not plain. When you were little, didn't they used to, didn't you play that game of riddles? They give you a riddle and they expect you to figure out what it is. Okay, maybe I grew up in a different generation because we did riddles. Um, but what, we'll use your words. Decoded, thank you. So here you go into your office and everything seems coded. It's coded to the people there. Because they can, if they knew how to do it, that thing would not be a task or a problem. Or I mean, it may be a task if they knew how to do it. But it won't be on a recurring agenda on your meetings. You know how you have a meeting and every time is number one. Recurring is on the agenda every time. That tells you it's not solved. Because when it's resolved... It drops off the agenda. So you already, have, you already know what they need you for. What they need you for is to help them solve that. What you need to do is to take it on, take it home and say, Father, we got a problem. I have the ability to solve riddles. Open my eyes. Help me to see. How does this work? So you can ask for that. And remember, when you ask for it, you don't change your, your, your words. You don't change your confession. When everybody's saying it can't be solved, you say, oh, no, it can't be solved. We'll get to it. And remember, I was saying to you that when you are able to decode these dreams, decode this vision, they'll send for you. So like Joseph, remember the story of Joseph where he helped two people solve dreams and they forgot about him. Because that's how you help people and they just forget about you. Am I telling the truth? They just forget about you. That promotion they got, it was the little that you put in that helped them and they forgot about you. But the day is coming. The day is coming when they're going to want to solve something and they won't be able to do it. And then they're going to remember your name. So, Joseph was forgotten. So, in Genesis 41, verse 8, the main person that needed to have a riddle had the riddle. See, before, those ones were low-level people. They had the riddle. They went back to where there was so one was killed. The other went back to, the, to Pharaoh or the king's house, back to his fine, cushy job, and forgot about the person who helped him. When he was leaving, Joseph said, Please, when you get to the palace, don't forget me. I was wrongly put in prison. Help me out. So Joseph is lobbying now. I use my gift for you. Help me out. You wouldn't be going out if I didn't use my gift for you. He said, oh, don't worry about it. Your name will be the first I bring before the Pharaoh. We'll take care of this. He got there. He drank wine. He forgot Joseph. But 
God did not forget. And that's what every believer must always remember. God does not forget. That's why you hook up your wagon to God. Don't hook up to any boss, any manager, any director. Don't do it. You will be disappointed. You hook up to this guy, the chief butler. When he gets really cushy, before he had a cubicle, now he has his own office. Before he was neglected and nobody used to give him uh, croissant in the morning, now he has croissant, butter, bread, everything. And when the executives are eating, they pull him in. Now he has gone up. You think he will remember you, you in your the one cubicle three people share? He won't remember you. They usually don't. But the day is coming when the CEO has a problem. And because you have the ability to solve problems, to interpret dreams, and solve riddles, that boss, he is now director. He is sitting down there eating. They are sipping wine. They are at dinner. And yet nobody can solve this. And then eventually the CEO says, I guess we're going to have to cut some jobs now. We can't solve this. We can't make our budget. We can't make this. I guess we're going to have to let some people go. Then he remembers, because he's number one to be let go. He remembers, excuse me, ma. Please, before you cut jobs, <laughs> there's somebody. <laughs> there's somebody. Let's see if she can't get it done first. Just give her two months. Don't cut the jobs yet. The CEO really doesn't want to cut jobs, but has nowhere to turn. So, okay, bring her or bring him. Let's see what he can do. That day, your star will shine. Amen. And when your star is shining, ain't nobody can block the light of it. It's shining, it's shining. So, Genesis 41 Verse 9, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man. Now he remembers. Now he remembers. This Joseph had interpreted his dream had helped him meet his goals, had helped him meet his team goals, had moved him forward, but he forgot him. Now that his head is about to roll, and his job is one of the first to go. Now he remembers. God will remember you. Amen. So he says, there was a young man, a Hebrew, servant to the captain of a guard. We told him he interpreted to us our dreams to each man. According to his dream, he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me, he restored unto my office, and the other person was hanged. Verse 14, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph. If you read Daniel's story, they sent and called Daniel. That's how they will send for you. In the name of Jesus, you will be sent for. And when they sent for him, 
He moved very quickly. So ladies, make sure you have a f fresh coat of lipstick. Always have in your purse a little powder. and Because you want to be ready when they send for you. Dab it quickly. Do it quickly. Here I am. How can I help you? <laughs> -hoo 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 -hoo. Amen. And brothers, if you didn't wear it, eh, always have one tie in that drawer because when they ask for you, you want to pull it out and go there looking smart and sharp. And then the high and the mighty will put before you their problems. And you tell them, oh, there's a, there's a solution for that. And they said, there's been nobody. You said, but I'm telling you, there is a solution. And the spirit of God will download it. Amen. Amen. Before we finish today, I'm going to leave that wisdom that you need when your ungodly boss cheats on you. Let's leave that one for another day. <laughs> because there's scriptures. When people cheat on you and abuse you, there are scriptures for that. But let's leave that for today. Let's stay in a positive light. Engaging that wisdom, I wanted to say to you, do you know it is possible to use spiritual gifts in the workplace? Like the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, prophet, prophecy. So usually the way the body of Christ does it is everybody is in the church. Somebody gives a prophecy. Somebody gives a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. And we all put everything only in a spiritual context. But the most fearful Christians are the ones who have a word of wisdom in the marketplace. You know that when the bell closes, this is where the stocks are going to be. And you know it supernaturally before any other person knows. So you have inside knowledge, but the inside knowledge is not based on anything in the physical. The spirit of God woke you up at 3 a.m. and told you this and this is going to happen. Make sure you do this. There is the ability to use spiritual gifts. What is a spiritual gift? Anybody can help me with that. What is a spiritual gift? abilities, but they are not learned. That's the difference. The Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues is one of those. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual gift. You speak in a language you have never learned. It may be a human language, but the key is that it was endowed on you. Somebody laid hands on you, or somehow you were in a service, and suddenly you have the ability to speak in tongues. It may even be Spanish. I've heard people speak in languages that they've never learned before. And the Holy Spirit gives them that language. They're speaking it fluently just for a reason. There's somebody that needs a word. And they needed to hear it in a supernatural way. And they happen. So speaking in tongues, it is, you are able to speak a language, but it is not learned. You just have the supernatural ability. So the gifts of wisdom... 
word of wisdom is the ability to have wisdom of us, knowledge to know what to do in a situation. You have no clue. You don't know the different blocks that make up that problem. You just know what to do. It's just supernaturally given, and it's given as the Spirit of God wills. Do you know you can go with your anointing package to walk? In the midst of non-believing people, you can say, thus saith the Lord. Of course, you don't say, yeah, 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 thus saith the Lord. No, 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 that's not how we do it. <laughs> that's not how we do it. Ooh, Lord. Ooh. Mm -mm. We don't do that in the boardroom. But you can supernaturally speak. And so I want to encourage you, children of God, get in your prayer room in the morning. These things we're talking about are not, these things we're talking about are not, um, you're not just learning just to learn. You know, come to church, the pastor's going to preach a sermon today. Okay, we got the sermon, it's time to go home. No. You come to church, right? That's why I come long before I was a leader in church. I, I can't sit where the pastors are sitting, but the closest seat to the front, I don't care if it's a crusade, I will come hours before because I have to be in front. There is something I'm expecting when I come to church. I'm expecting an impartation. An imp the come. An impartation. These are spiritual things. Don't take them for granted. So here she is. She comes. She comes. You may not even be sad. You may be happy. You just come. Normally you come to church. But the Holy Spirit came ready for you. You just didn't know it. You don't know what he, you know that, you know, when we come, where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst of them. You know, we kind of know all those things. But I don't think we are really taking, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffered violence and the violent take it by force you don't just stroll into church you come with your eyes wide open your spirit ready i'm grabbing what's mine today and the holy spirit came gave the minister a package so the minister comes ready but you at the back of the church you are sleeping he said, hello, 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 hello. Okay. The package that they came with, they go back home with it. But you come with your eyes sharp, sitting at the edge of your seat, ready. Before the word is, I receive it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but you know what? It's not physical because you can't see it. But now you, are, you, did, you came, maybe you just came. Now you are going loaded. You can't see it, but in the spirit you are loaded. One, you get to work the next day. They start to say all this nonsense, but you are loaded. You've already recharged yourself first thing in the morning. Prayed in the spirit. Spoken to every demon. That, if you dare cross the bloodline, you, war, you are a warrior. You've taken the day. Then you go. And then you start to open the package one by one. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophecy, all in the workplace. So you're on an elevator 
in, 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 in the workplace. Nobody can determine when you are promoted. You, you are already in that elevator. God determined it. He knows where he's taking you. And there is no demon in hell that can stop it. And you know, demons walk through people. Before you enter the parking lot that day at work. Somebody looks at your boots and says, ah, of all the boots, you have to go to D-Lads. That's how they call themselves Christians. Spending God's money on boots. When there are people suffering in Bangladesh. So they, they get you into a strifeful spirit. And you are so upset. Before you even enter your office, you're just upset. And the anointing starts to wane, wane. But you get in there again, you pray in the spirit, you pray in the spirit, you rev it up again. Then you go for your first meeting and then you start to shed the anointing. You just start to disperse it before this one comes, oh, that's the solution. Oh, that's the answer. Oh, that's the... Lord said, Gigi, hold on, it's enough. Gigi. Don't worry, it's, it's all good. That's how we take the anointing of God. Thank you, Ms. Chichi. You, you take the anointing package and you engage the wisdom of God in the marketplace. Amen. Amen. 